Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. My guest today is Dr. Jay Faber. I met him last February at Rex Miller's local school summit, where Dr. Faber spoke about what brain scans can tell us about learning and trauma. Dr. Faber is a clinical and forensic double board certified psychiatrist with more than three decades of experience in child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry and pharmacological management. He is the author of Escape, Rehab Your Brain to Stay Out of the Legal System. Currently, he is on the medical staff at the Amen Clinic in Encino, California. In addition to his psychiatric education, Dr. Faber has taken an avid scientific interest in the mind-body connection and how to holistically care for both entities. From this passion, Dr. Faber has become board certified in metabolic medicine by the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Additionally, he is the board president of Boney Pony Ranch Foundation, where he helps empower at-risk youth with the tools to transcend self-identities attached to the common negative social stereotypes. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Dr. Faber dives into brain scans and how it can offer insights to building lifestyle changes and other kind of habits he talks about that can really help transform your life and improve the way that your brain looks. You can find out more about Dr. Faber on his website, Dr. J. Faber. D-R-J-A-Y-F-A-B-E-R.com, where you can also find a copy of his book, Escape. Thanks for listening. I'd love to you know, hear a little bit about your, yourself and what it is that you'd like people to, listening to know about you and how you got into uh, the Amen Clinics and these revolutionary brain scans. So if you could please uh, share a little bit of your story. Yeah, so um, sort of just the professional, you know, we usually start on the educational piece and then I'll kind of make it a little bit personal from there. Um, but um, so I'm a psychiatrist. I'm double board certified in adult as well as child and adolescent psychiatry. I've also done a year of fellowship in forensics, which kind of is where you take criminal legal issues and mix them with the brain to see what we can do to help these people out. On top of that, and this is really where a lot of my more passion has gone the last, I'd say, three, four years, is in the whole notion of metabolic or integrative health. Um, Most of my practice for 20-some years dealt with helping people's mood get better by adjusting neurotransmitters. And so the Mm -hmm. whole theory was if you're depressed, you don't have enough serotonin, or if you're anxious, you might not have enough GABA. And so most of the the therapeutic uh, mechanisms I used dealt with either medications or supplements that particularly focused on that. Well, what um, I found out, especially from doing scans, and we'll talk a little bit more as time goes on with these, is that People can have scans that show altered brain patterns that can be associated with either too much or too little of neurotransmitters. But even after fixing them, some people just don't get better. Um, And I'll give you an example in point. We had one gal who had been on probably 15 to 16 antidepressants and was still depressed, came to see us. We said, let's try this combination, kind of like a lock and key. Yeah. for her brain to see if it gets better with the company. She didn't get better. And in fact, she got really disappointed because she didn't get better. And I said, well, what else might be going on with this gal? And I started looking at some of her other blood work, like her insulin levels, which were huge, indicating that she was 
moving towards someone getting diabetes. Now, what does that mean for her brain? It means she may be getting sugar going to her brain, but she's not able to use it because it can't get from the blood vessels into her brain. Her thyroid levels were off and she was overweight uh, and she was having like GI problems. And so these are instances where rather than brain affecting the body, the body can actually affect the brain. And so mm -hmm. the last, um, uh, to make a very, very long story, hopefully short now, is I've gotten board certified at the American Academy of Aging in metabolic medicine. I'm currently going through an integrative medicine fellowship at George Washington University, which I'm about halfway through. So it's another way to help body uh, assist the brain and the brain assist body. So you want to hit the, both to really get um, has, brain have that balance. working as best. Absolutely. Impressive. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. So, so going into the brain scans and, and that you notice that, you know, the body also has to follow the mind. How do the brain scans really help assess that and to, yeah. to be able to um, direct that? And if you, if you don't mind, like for new listeners and somebody that, you know, is a very um, novice at this stuff, you know, trying to understand what all the spec scans do, if you mind running through. I'll, what I'll do is I'll incorporate what the scans measure and I'll, I'll kind of tell you how I went through my own sort of metamorphosis when I met Dr. Amen as well, mm -hmm. because, you know, like anyone, we are skeptic and I hear all sorts of things. Uh, as well. But anyhow, the spec scans measure blood flow. So rather than a, an MRI or a CAT scan, which actually looks at the physical structure of the brain, like you're looking at a slice, this actually looks at how much blood flow the brain's getting, which is an indirect measure of how your brain is functioning. All right. If you get too little blood flow to certain areas of your brain, it doesn't work as well. In a similar manner, if you get too much blood flow to particular parts of the brain, your brain may not work so well uh, too. And so what we do is look at blood flow patterns to the brain to get a better understanding of where the brain's working too hard and too little and then make adjustments accordingly. Um, Dr. Amen gave me like a 30, 35 minute lecture on all what we're talking about right now. And me, of course, I said, this all sounds very interesting. Uh, and definitely cutting edge. I go, but do you have any outcome measures um, uh, uh, for all this? Uh, and I can tell you at the time, it's still pretty much the same. I was working with a big insurance company nationally out there, the national medical director, and there was only one clinic I knew in the country, and this is still the only clinic besides us, is the Cleveland Clinic who was looking at outcome measures. And when I asked Dr. Amy about the outcome measures, I can hear, no, we don't. And I kind of have to think of thigh relief to solve something great, but if we don't know how well it's working, then what's the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So he told me, surprisingly to me, yes, we have outcomes. I said, what? You got outcomes? And we started talking more. And this was probably about seven years ago, six years ago. The clinic was seeing approximately 75% of people, as long as they found the doctors uh, at the clinic, getting mm -hmm. better. Uh, we're now running about 80% and sometimes 85% getting better. Now you have to take into mind, these are people who are seen by three, four different individuals and haven't changed. And so to come to us and see these kind of quantitative numbers, it's, it's, um, it's, it's encouraging. And it's something uh, that we have to learn about the brain and currently can do to help it work better, including head trauma, which I suspect we'll talk about sometime as well here. I remember you were speaking at the, the conference that we met at about NFL players too, or was it a hockey player, the one that you showed me? You, you specifically, before you went up, you're like, make sure you watch like the last slide that you have. And so it was like a very accurate uh, explanation. You were, I think you were saying, you know, that these players all got MRIs, but they, they still, nothing was kind of changed. Yeah, so the whole... Going back nine, 10 years, you know, the inception of how this all started with us seeing the NFL players, um, a lot of the players were having memory problems. They got an MRI and they were normal. And so, the, you know, the, the medical community was saying, well, 
you know, it's not your brain, it's something else. Everything looks fine. And so Dr. Raymond says, well, let's get some scans and see. And we got scans of their brains looking at not the structure, but how well the brain's working. And it was like one of these OMG moments where it's like these pictures are not normal at all, um, especially on the surface of the brain, where when you think about it, and I can take out my brain, is not my brain, but a plastic brain, wherever you get hit, okay, on our scans, what we'll notice is there'll be decreased blood flow, and it's usually reflective in there being some kind of a bump or an indentation in those areas. For football players who get a lot of hits to the front of their head, we'll see bumps here, but simultaneously, their head goes back, back of brain hits skull, so we can see bumps in the front and the back. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, there's a bone called the sphenoid wing. These are our temporal lobes. They help a lot with mood control. So people with problems here have issues with anger and anxiety. There's a bone, though, that protects them called the sphenoid wing, and it does a great job. The sphenoid wing or the sphenoid bone? Sphenoid wing. Okay. Okay. That gets, if that bone hits those temporal lobes, they get bruised, and we can see problems there. As well, and if you want, I can share some pictures. I mean, the ones we talked about. If you want, I can yeah. bring those up. No, it's it's also I'd love to see pictures, but it's interesting. Interesting, you bring that up because uh, I recently saw. You know, because I mentioned to you that I had a concussion of my own, and as I got more aware and aware of like the emotional changes and things, uh, I recently have seen a um, a holistic kind of cranial chiropractor in Houston. Very great uh, doctor. And he, through muscle testing and whatnot, noticed that my sphenoid bone, um, that's why I was asking if their sphenoid bone is different from sphenoid wing. You can probably, the words are more likely used interchangeably. Uh, but so. he, he said that through a different muscle testing he was doing that my sphenoid bone was out of alignment, which is causing a lot of the, um, you know, fuzziness. So do the brain scans then help with a sense of, you know, what we should do next, because, you know, if I were to get a brain scan, I might see, and which I do want to so shortly, I would see that there might be a lack of blood flow, but then, but then that's just a, okay, you have, I might have a lack of blood flow to whatever area part of my brain, but then from there, what do we go? Okay. You might need a, you know, a cranial adjustment because you're your skull's out of alignment, or you need to be eating this type of food or make this lifestyle changes. So how do, how do the brain scans, excuse me, brain scans um, help us to uh, create kind of better habits or what to do next? Well, you, the, the lifestyle interventions, you, you know, diet, exercise, coordination exercises for cerebellum help. Uh, the medical interventions, one of which is getting craniosacral therapies with the chiropractors can help. Um, then we end up doing a lot of other specific interventions for the whole cortex to allow and support its, its, its surface to hopefully get more blood flow. All right. Now, in terms of medications, we don't really know of any medications that help increase blood flow to the whole surface. But Dr. Amen, through his research, he's discovered seven supplements which actually help support the whole cortex and getting blood flow to it. Um, we could talk about them. I mean, there's seven. Some of the names are rather lengthy. Dr. Amen, in his wisdom, put all seven in one capsule. So wow. it's a lot easier to take. and It's a lot less expensive to take um, with it. But there's, there's basically, there's four supplements that really tend to help support temporal lobe functioning. Uh, N-acetylcysteine, acetyl-L-carnitine, sorry for the long names, vinpocetine and huprosine A, those last two help a lot with memory. Is we this put some, something, in, something everyone should take or only if you're like not getting enough blood to the... Uh... Anyone can take these. I mean, it, this is my interpretation of what's going on with brain health right now. But to answer your question, Yes, anyone can take them. In a lot of ways, the brain, it's in terms of the supplements out there, it's a little bit like when you, we used to go to the gym and still go to the gym, you work out, and what do you do? You go get your what afterwards, creatinine, your protein powder, yeah. your whey powder. Well, it's sort of becoming that way for the brain is rather than just loading you up with meds, 
we can give things like some of the supplements I, I, I'm mentioning right now to help brain function at a higher capacity. So anyone can take it. Hello? Oop, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very cool. No, I'm curious. And then you, you so you also have the excellent book, es Escape, Rehab Your Brain to Stay Out of the Legal System that you wrote, you know, towards for kind of prisoners and <laughs> to keep people out of prisons because you recognized, you know, there was a, a lot of prisoners are some suffering from some type of mental illness. And it reminded me of, uh, have you heard of the, the book Zero Limits by uh, Dr. Joe Vitale? No. So he, he writes this story of this therapist who helped heal an entire ward of mentally ill criminals by using this Hawaiian kind of um, healing, spiritual healing kind of technique. And you know, at, through, after four years or so, he helped clear out the whole prison. And I was hoping you may, might have known a little bit about it, but with what you wrote about in the book, when you recognize, you know, a lot of these prisoners are just simply suffering from some kind of mental illness. How can our, what more ways can our brain scans, you know, if we were to sh be able to show some <laughs> potential um, uh, in inmate, you know, a brain scan, it might be like a, that kind of spark to, you know, get them like, oh, wow. It's not me, it's my brain. It's your brain. So rather than, it's the, rather than becoming a core who you are issue, it's yeah. more a brain issue that you then, you still have to take responsibility, but it's for your brain and you can see what's working, what's not working so well. So here's a scoop. If you look at the data out there, approximately 85% of people incarcerated have had or still have a substance abuse problem, 85%, all right? I mean, that's huge. When I first started reading, I thought, well, we'll probably have maybe 30%, but 85%, it's, that's a lot of people. Then on top of that, the prison population has a seven times higher likelihood of having a traumatic brain injury. Since we're talking about traumatic brain injuries, we see a much higher rate of those within that population. So the book, when I wrote it was specifically for those people because they don't have much out there in terms of literature or information to, to rehab their brain. And so the purpose of writing was to give them a five-step process on how to rehab their brain. This, this, that's part one. Part two, the book is on my website, www.drjfaber.com in case anyone was interested where you can download the book for free. So you're going to get about, I don't know how many, depends which type of book you get. It's, it's about 80 to 90 pages on that website for free. My publicist made me publish the book too on Amazon. So if people really want to buy it, they can go there for $6.95 and pick it up. And I think it's like 150 pages online. So but you need to become aware of how stigmatizing brain injuries are, whether it be physical hit or something else. And I think it more innovative, creative to help them out. I mean, the largest prison system in the world, um, how come, why? I don't have the good answers for that, but I do think we got to start asking, you know, what can we do? Yeah, no, you can find you can find like a quick um, there's I think like a seven minute video. Um, doc, he did it. Dr. Joe Vitale did an interview with um, the guy from this podcast called London Real. So it's it's definitely really interesting, and that's why I'm so I'm curious about the brain scans because you know it's. It's also a huge thing because when you know that, you know, your brain is not necessarily who you are, then you can separate the brain from, you know, your mind, you know, that as you're also getting into, you know, the holistic kind of mind, body and spirit thing that, you know, how I'm curious with the different um, diagnosis and evaluations that our brain scans, 
you know, it can kind of trigger that response like, whoa, I need to make these kind of changes. And then it could potentially get somebody, some, some potential inmate to, you know, be able to, to notice their thinking and be like, oh, wow. Rather than, you know, grab a weapon or cause some kind of crime, they can be like, wow, there's a lot of chatter in my head right now. Rather than entertaining this thought. No, I mean, it does to me, the, the scans help three ways. One, it increases insight. So insight meaning I have a brain problem versus there's nothing wrong with me. People are making this up. It's they're making a mountain out of no gives you insight. There's a problem. One, two, it helps increase self-esteem because it's not your core. That's a problem. It's your brain. And there's things you can do just like a broken leg. You, you do something to fix it. You can do something to help your temporal lobes or your cerebellum, your frontal lobes work better when you see what's wrong. And then three slowly. That's, Wait, that's an interesting point. Because uh, I would like, so when you, when you can see what's kind of wrong, your frontal lobes work better? Well, when you see what's wrong, then you're more willing to take the steps necessary. Wow. To get them better. Yeah. And so it's That's like big. I was talking to Dr. Engel. Uh, he wrote the concussion repair manual. And, you know, we were talking about the difference between the physical and the psychological. You know, like when you have like a broken foot or a broken arm or just a cut, you can see it. You can see that physical injury. But with the brain, you can't see it right away or other people can't. So then like for myself, it was also a challenge, you know, being able to convey, I don't think something's right here. So that's interesting. That's, I like yeah, and it's, that. it's like you're still working or functioning, but maybe it's not at the same level. And you know that you, you can sense it. Um, and to try to explain that to somebody, they oftentimes, they try to understand, but they just don't get it. But when you see what looks different, and it associate that part of the brain, which is associated with that function, and it, it, be, it takes a much deeper meaning and, and creates motivation to want to get it better. It, so, can, it can also help, or how do you think it can help with, you know, creating a sense of gratitude and rather than just um, thinking it, you know, a lot of people can think what they're grateful for, but does it have a sense of, and then what you're practicing, help with actually feeling and getting into that state? Well, that's a great question. Okay. And my first thought is, is when you, when you ask, it, it's like, my first thought is I want to go to PubMed and see what I can fill up in terms of gratitude and brain rehabilitation to see what we know or don't know. Um, I can't tell you this though is when people start to experience calmness or less irritability or less depression or less negativity on a consistent basis, um, they're, for the most part, you know, they, they're surprised and they're happy and they're grateful. Yeah. Just because they're, they're having something they haven't had for either not much of, of a time or or not consistently for a long time. So, well, and it's and it's um, like the transition or transformation. I would even call it like uh, just going from you know I'm grateful for this computer, but to actually like diving into it and and really being grateful for them. I'm curious how how all of this can help, as you said, because because it's bringing more insight to something with how many scans, how many scans do you guys have? It's like hundreds of thousands now, right? We've been in business for about 29 years now, 30 years. We've got over 150,000 scans. So what's the, what's the general, I feel like Dr. Amen definitely has broke books, especially I've read, um, change your brain, change your life. What are like the common themes or, or habits you, you would suggest or say that most people, most of these people that have these brain scans need to make? Or what are the best 
methods or habits to implement to, even if I'm not able to get a brain scan anytime soon, I know that what I'm doing is lighting my brain up, if that makes sense, make healthier, making it healthier. No, that's a great question. Okay. And here's, here's my response. Okay. Because um, this is kind of the telltale story, whether you've had a scan or not, uh, how things may or may not go. And it's developing a consistent pattern of productive, constructive habits on a daily basis that you're, you're doing. Um, things as simple as one, waking up in the morning, take your vitamins and your supplements or medications if you need those. Two, dinner time, taking your vitamins and supplements, you know, before dinner. Now we're talking maybe 30 seconds to a minute and it sounds simple, but you'd be surprised how many people get down to that. Now, and two, incorporating, you know, interventions throughout the day that don't last long, but can make a huge impact. For example, if you are somebody who's depressed or anxious, breaking your day up into thirds and spending 10 minutes meditating, doing some focused, thoughtful, reflective, but, but mind-changing meditations. Um, just doing those three things plus taking your supplements and eating healthy can, can start. And, and that's sort of then the momentum starts. You start seeing some things differently and boom. Um, mm -hmm. Habits will start to go and develop from there. That's true. It's that, kind of like one, one, one good habit kind of can lead to more. What, what essential vitamins are necessary? I know you mentioned earlier the kind of four um, that increase the blood flow and make it kind of more uh, fluid. Um, what, what one kind of what essential ones? Because we're all kind of different. We all specialize. Some might need some other kind of vitamin. Um, because I'm also curious, I'm trying to find out which ones are essential that I need. Because currently I'm only taking like uh, fish oil a few times a week and like vitamin D. And then I tried this other thing who I recorded a podcast with uh, called C60. Have you heard of it? No. There's so many. What's in it? If I know what's in it, then. Car carbon 60 and it's infused with um, olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. And so it's one of the top five um, antioxidants. Yeah. But then it, it's like when I was used it for like two months, I had like an extreme like notice of more energy. So I'm trying it like for a week now to notice any changes. But um, I, I digress. I like that word. <laughs> what, um, what essential vitamins would you say? Okay. So let me I'm answer the twofold. One is I gave you four. There's three others that help increase blood flow. Just real quickly, ginkgo biloba, alpha lipoic acid, and phosphatidylserine. All right, those three. Now, to answer your, your question, Solomon, you know, to start off, I would take a high-quality, underlying high-quality multivitamin, and mineral, okay, so something that's got your vitamin A, all your, your, your vitamin Bs, vitamin C, D, E, maybe a little a bit of vitamin K, and then some minerals like magnesium, calcium, copper, zinc, all right. Um, there's lots of vitamins out there. What I typically recommend is rather than saying take this brand and that brand, I don't want to get into that, but if you go to a good high-quality health food store, they'll have the stuff there for that. Um, Getting on a good, high-quality vitamin, I mean, just this is anecdotal, it's personal, but when I was 30, um, I was waking up all night long, and I got on a good, high-quality multivitamin, and all of a sudden, I'm sleeping like I did when I was 15 and 16 years old. What's the difference between, uh, like, a high multivitamin and a green juice? Because I've been uh, seeing that um, and hearing or reading that some green juices now help with the, more of the absorption of the nutrients. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like getting vitamins in uh, solid form versus a liquid form. You just what you what you need to do though is check the back and just kind of compare and contrast. Be really um, almost obsessive to seeing what you're and gotten the 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 capsule versus the liquid to make sure they all line up that you get the same thing. This thing is the liquid versus solid form. Very cool. Nice.
what um what habits well I mean, what kind of exercise would you say is very helpful and uh, a proponent of the brain? I know Dr. Brain, uh, Dr. Amen spoke about um, ping pong, table tennis. Okay, yes. Yeah. So ping pong, any kind of like fast rhythmic uh, exercise that changes quickly, like playing ping pong, dribbling a basketball, dancing, really helps our cerebellum, the back of our brain, which helps with motor coordination, we're starting to find out all this helps a lot with thought coordination as well, learning. All right. So that can help there. Any kind of other cardiovascular exercise where you're doing rhythmic, you know, maybe more faster movements, but it's not necessarily changing like running or doing the, uh, the Nordic tracks. Any of that helps increase blood flow and increases endorphins throughout our whole cortex, we actually end up feeling better and oftentimes can think more clearly after we're done doing any kind of cardiovascular exercise uh, as well to help brain. Okay. Interesting. Is there anything you would suggest staying away from as far as habits go? And then I, I, I was listening to your uh, podcast with um, Tanya Amen on the Brain Warriors Way podcast. I think it was uh, last year, but you guys were discussing um, one was communication and the other was social media. And you brought up a really interesting um, uh, scientific um, study or research that found that like, I think it was teenagers were on like five hours a day. I'm yeah. curious, like, how was that, you know, for, uh, 22, you know, 18, maybe let's say 18 to 25 year olds, you know, that millennial my age, how are we, cause we're on our phones a lot and our phone, our, you know, our world is going a lot digital. How is it affecting our brain? And in addition with these habits, like, you know, reading, learning, meditating, uh, certain exercises, what can we do to get away from it to, um, to use it more wisely. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And that's like a hot area. It was a hot area last year. It still is because there's, there's not as much research as some things. But to answer your question, one is there's studies out. If you play video games more than an hour a day, our cortex, the gray matter, which is on the outside of our brain, especially in our frontal lobes, our frontal lobes help a lot with focus, learning, executive functioning the gray cortex starts to shrink if you play more than an hour a day. So think of like if your muscles, if you're not working out with your arms, doing the biceps and triceps, they get smaller. That cortex gets smaller if we play more than an hour a day. That we know. Okay, so biologically, that's one of the first things we've seen in terms of studies saying video games affect the quantitative level of our gray matter uh, available. There is two, um, and I just found this out about three weeks ago. So uh, parents, be aware, there's a, a movie called Screenagers, okay? Yeah, and Screenagers is all about teenagers looking at the screen. And it, it's a documentary about what happens to your brain and your personality when you're constantly on uh, uh, social media. Two, they've got a website called screenagers.com and on that they've got all sorts of information and resources for parents and for young adults if you want to look you can easily apply it. Um, to me that's the most up-to-date current trending site where you can get some good stuff on that particular topic. Um, but yeah, we've got kids that play five hours. We've got kids that play eight to twelve hours, believe it or not, a day. On the, on the games. I'm, I'm curious to check out this movie, but it's also with like, uh, I mean, I'm on my phone even when I'm kind of doing brain games, like I do um, the aiming, the Lumosity. Mm, yep. So it's, how does it really balance out? Because some games also kind of, you know, you're working with your hands in reaction. So. Yeah, 
I mean, it's, you know, again, it's like the, the, you have to look at the quality of the, what you're doing. I mean, so Lumosity, our brain fit, uh, brain HQ, there you're actually doing exercises like memory focus, but it's for your frontal lobe. So, you know, something like that, that's a little bit different, right? Than um, going from one social media event or site to another within, you know, two to three minutes for hours or playing um, war games or some of these other more social games with your friends where you got the headphones on like I do now. Okay. That's a completely different story. Um, so to kind of compare both, it would be probably better to contrast both. It's sort of like eating food. You know, you can go eat, you know, carrots and celery and bananas and apples, you know, complex carbs, or you can eat candy you know, cookies and ice cream, you know, and so the analogy I would use, it's like, hey, Lumosity, Brain Fit, it's like eating vegetables and good fruit, where a lot of this other stuff might be eating like ice cream and cookies for, for some people, five to 12 hours a day. So yeah, it's great. It's crazy. But it, I'm, I'm telling you, there are, there are people out there that are playing, playing lots. So with a lot of the game, with some games that have a lot of sensory input, let's call, let's call like um, Call of Duty type of games, you know, where you're shooting up a lot of things and it's also the screen and things, you know, it's moving constantly, quickly, frames per second. How long does, you might not know this, but how long does it take for your brain to really calm down after all these things? Because um, you're also talking to Tanya uh, Eamon about you know, how it affects sleep. And so if you're, if you, even if you're just on your phone, like, or any screen towards bed, we know that it affects, um, you know, your sleep. Like I, I saw a study that said every 30 minutes you're on before your bedtime, it affects your, the sleep patterns by like, or how you fall asleep by an hour or the other way around. Yeah, so I mean, one, there's sort of the scientific answer. The back of our retina absorbs light, which then goes to our pineal gland, which inhibits the production of melatonin. Melatonin, when we have a lot of it, we tend to sleep. When we have little of it, we don't sleep. If you've got lights, especially the blue lights from some of these computer games, zapping your retina until, you know, Lord knows what time, 10 o'clock, 11, 12, it takes time for your pineal gland to be able to secrete melatonin to help you get to sleep. So just from a bright light standpoint, you probably want to, an hour before bed, keep the lights down. Um, two, the way that these, these companies are bright, I mean, they set these games up. So there's an element of mystery uh, and there's the element of adventure because you want to try to get to the next level and see what's next, all right? And so that see what's next, see what's next. I mean, you can be in bed thinking about, well, if I would have made this move or that move, or if I make this move, what's gonna happen after that? And so you end up, rather than thinking about sleeping, you think about how to get from level three to four, or level five to eight, and whatever it is. So that in of itself is gonna keep you up too. Yeah. So with the, you're, you have a foundation that you're, um, a board president for the Boney Pony Ranch um, Foundation. What is it that you guys are doing there to really um, help kind of kids that are coming from kind of unfortunate backgrounds? Yeah, so just historically, the Boney Pony Ranch was started by a good friend of mine, Dr. Frank Ryan, who unfortunately passed away about five years ago. When I moved back to Southern California's approach to get the, the foundation going again. So we started it again, one, two. We have a lot of inner city kids in Southern California who are incredibly good singers, incredibly good little actors and actresses, mm -hmm. great dancers. Um, they're great in performing arts. I mean, it's like a hub and, and they love it. And it's, it's cool to watch them. With talking with them, they say one of the biggest problems is where do I go with all this? I'm good, but you know, how can I make a business model? How can I make a life out of it? And so that led us to say, well, let's start to incorporate good 
sound leadership, how to character development skills to teach these kids what else they need to do to make it big, whether they stay in performing arts or not. So in addition to singing, dancing, you know, which we have all these crazy contests for the kids, which are really fun. Mm -hmm. We, in addition, go into things and teach them about dream building, goal setting, purpose, tenacity, will toughness, fortitude, resilience. And so uh, in between their little performances, we try to add and teach them life skills that are going to really help make it big for them. Um, when you think about it, schools, and it's not the school, it's just the way the, the, the mandates are set up. They're great at teaching, reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, social studies, whatever the curriculum may be. Um, the stuff I've just mentioned, they just, they don't have the time. Then the kids go home and the parents, either one, they're too busy, or God bless the parents, they, just, they haven't learned this stuff themselves. No one's taught them. And so we've come in and made a commitment to engagingly teach our youth those attributes, whether they stay in music or dancing or singing or whatever else, to help them make something big of themselves. You know, two things that really stuck out that I love what you said, the, the life skills and the things that you're teaching them, you know, even if it's going after the arts, uh, I like how you, how you brought up, you know, you're making it then uh, what's the word? You're making it a, a priority to emphasize, you know, how to go after, what it takes to go after these um, artistic routes, but at the same time using it as, you know, it's your focus, but what's more important is who you're becoming through that process, that you're going after that. And then the second thing that you mentioned about, you know, their parents, and that's a huge thing uh, that I'm interested in because uh, even myself, like as I noticed as kids, we don't learn from what our elders are necessarily saying, but what they're doing. So it's kind of, I can see how it can be kind of confusing. Whereas one hand they're around you, uh, a specialist, Dr. Faber, for some type of the day, or I don't know how often you meet with, with them, but you know, you're, you're presenting them this excellent information and, and how to you know, win at life kind of thing. But then if, when they go home and it's not the case, it can, be, it can cause such a, a confusion. Who do I listen to? Yeah, no, it, it gets very confusing. And then you start thinking about attachments and it's like you get older, who do you trust and who do you believe? Because you saw this and heard that and it doesn't mm -hmm. make consent. Which you bring up a good point. It's, you know, I can talk and teach, but if I'm not doing it myself or whoever's in our group's not doing it, it doesn't yeah. have the power or near the power it could be if you're, you're doing things on a daily basis, literally on a daily basis to understand how to make life more meaningful mm -hmm. and with purpose. I had a gentleman, John Maxwell, John's written probably 21, 22 oh, leadership yeah. books. On. I've been to his house and I'll never forget. He's 40 years old and we're in his den. And he says, now when I want to give a talk, so John writes leadership books. This is what I do. And he went back and took us into a back room of his den and he opened up this, like one of his like files on, I believe it was goal setting. And he had this like four inch wide, uh, thick uh, stack of papers on goal setting. Now what I've done is since age 20 is when I go to conferences or read something, I collect it and then I just store it in all these files. So when I want to write something, it's here. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm 40. I go, what have I been doing the last 20 years of my life? You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like it was humbling it was inspiring but it was humbling and so i can when i saw that it's like now since age 40 i read every morning and i've probably got oh my gosh i'd say somewhere around at least 900 to a thousand pages of quotes all grouped 
by categorizations. So dream building, goal setting, purpose, just like I was saying before, if we need something for the kids, I've got it. I've journaled it. You're saying, you're saying you have like, or he has, and now you have like a notebook of, of different quotes or different things you would heard at conferences or books reading, just kind of know. All the books I've read, the quotes from the books, I've saved for, for since age 40. So the last 20 years. And it's like great because now when I'm having an issue, I just go back and, and just say, well, I need something on tenacity. I, I'm burned oh, out. That's nice. That's, uh, that reminds me of this uh, creative project that I just did called the life book. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Like when you're, you know, maybe you, cause we all run into kind of troublesome times when you're losing sight of, you know, where you want to go or why you're doing what you're doing. You pop open your, you know, section on purpose. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got, and it's, and it's your, what you just told me, your life book, that's you, that's your yeah. personalized stuff, taking higher thinking, and mm-hmm. you can always go back to it, and then when you look, you do that for five, ten years, Salman, and look where you're at. Yeah, no, I, and it's something I'll continuously do and, and evolve, and uh, yep. that's what really helped me, uh, even with recovery from uh, concussion, is... Wow, this actually, I'm sure that goes along with like the brain scans and stuff and all that you're helping out with. But for me, when, because through my concussion, I made kind of, you know, big changes in my life and where I want to go and being able to kind of not identify with that, but take the time to look at different areas of my life, like my family life, my social life, my career, my financial life, where it is that I'm. I want to go and, and focus on that with other things, kind of like you're mentioning with meditation. And I've been doing that since uh, high school. It, it, it helps with creating that sense of purpose that you mentioned is also a very uh, important thing you're teaching to these kids. But when I'm reading through it, maybe someday I'm just not fully as energized but, and I'm able to pick up my book and go through my last section, which is life vision and see where I'm headed. You know, it really adds to that, that purpose part and, and being able to trust, okay, this is just a little bit of a bump and it's probably just pulling me back a little bit so I can go that much farther forward. That's incredible. I love the that. fact that you're doing it, it's incredible. I mean, it's like how many people do you and I know when they have a bump, it turns out to be like a massive like black hole. Um, they just don't know what to do, but you're, you're creating a system personalized to pull yourself from a, out of a bump and make a big, huge mountain or at least a hill mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. That's one so, thing is o- overcoming injuries <laughs> with um, a couple final uh, questions that I have with all that you now being in the Amen clinics and your own practice and the books that you've written and all these specific things what did and what you just mentioned from uh dr maxwell and noticing you know he was doing these collectings and taking notes for 20 20 years or it, he was since he was 20 you were 40 i think you said at the time with all of that stuff what advice would you give to your younger self about all these things that you know now somebody my age or let's 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 choose the because i want to uh my i want to say my audience is like 18 to 28. yeah Uh, i would take one of my favorite quotes and and this is what i'd say Uh, adversity causes most to break others dot 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 to break records I want to help you break records. The status quo is not going to be in the repertoire of your lifestyle. Mediocrity isn't going to exist. We'll take it day by day and we'll use tools which are, thank God, much more available even than 20 years ago to help your life when you look back 5, 10 years from now, 15 years, 20 years, something you're not going to be regretting. What habits do you wish you had at my age? Oh my gosh, the biggest habit 
and it gets to what we're talking about right now is I wish I would have been reading um, books on leadership or other high qualities and journaling on a daily basis and saving it. That would be the biggest thing so because it's all you. there. It's all there. It's just knowing how to use it, how to build successful relationships, how to build secure attachments and marriages, how to build positive friendships. You know, um, I just didn't have in my 20, I just didn't have it. It just wasn't, wasn't there. And I, I wasn't creative enough at, at that point. Or I don't think I believed in myself enough to know it was there. So that would be, that would be the, probably the biggest place I'd start. Awesome. Do you have any, um, with like the journaling, one thing that really helps get things out, you know, and help with clarity of thinking is just, you know, spitting out everything that's on the head. But do you have any questions that you like to ask yourself, maybe journal about that help you, that assure that your daily behavior is aligned with your deepest values? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a really good question. There's, okay, for the two, I have two parts. One is I have two journals types. I've got my left hand journal, or I call my left brain journal, excuse me, where I'm literally, I can either type in my computer, but I just do this. You can get talk and type. I can type a like talk page and a half typed out. All right. So I read something. And like, uh, is there like a program that does that well? Dragon Dictate. You can use Dragon Dictate, get it for like 99 bucks. You talk, it types. Page and a half. Is that correct too? Yeah, it's accurate. It gets better the more you use it. You can always go back and change it, but it's it's good. So one I use that. So I'll read something, you know, like let's say I'm reading about productivity right now. You know, huge and how to become more highly productive in learning skill sets. Like one of the things the book says is, well, you have to pick the five top skill sets you need. So like right now I'm doing a lot of writing. And so one of the things it says is the focus on writing a book, just write books. So it's like, okay, so this morning I read something interesting about, you know, how to be a better writer, how to be more effective writer. And so one of the things I learned is I have to pick five skill sets. What five skill sets do I need to work on? What have I been working on? How would I get these? You know, and I just start asking questions like that. The thing with left hand, with the left brain journal, you got to be careful that you don't get a negativity. Because you'll say, well, what haven't I been doing? Well, I haven't been, you know, finding people. I don't know where to find people. And then just start digging a rabbit hole of things you're not doing. Well, you want to use the reading to kind of push yourself out. So that's one. Okay. Now, with that, the other thing you do is at the top, and I use like Word document like Microsoft, make a category, put the date, and underneath put keywords. And then put the keywords that were in that writing you just did. So like productivity development with what you just wrote you're saying yeah I pick up the four you, went five skill. Read it. you went through and read it and was like okay i use this word a lot or this is like what it kind of mainly talks about yeah use keywords so that way and if i ever go back you know because i store it all i can just do a word search on productivity and that word and the keywords will come up and i can read that journal article that i did today so i've done this that that journal i can go back to 2008 and start wow. pulling out. Yeah, I could do them on my left brain journal, 2008, type in productivity. What do I got? And I'll start reading and go, oh, I remember this. That's what I did. Yes. That's what I got to start doing today. So you take higher thinking, right? And apply it to your life front. Well, how are you going to challenge yourself to do something better? So that's one journal. The other journal is I call my right brain journal. So rather than writing or just talking and typing, I'll make mind maps instead. We'll you'll take a word like productivity and put that in the middle of a sheet yeah. of paper. And you can use OneNote and then start making arrows and circles and let I your mind them. kind of expand the, 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 the writing. So rather than being analytical, you're being much more expansive and creative. Um, and you can save that on OneNote with Microsoft. And I've got that since 2010. So awesome. you start developing your own script for life. Any specific question that you like to ask yourself that really kind of helps focus? 
Oh yeah. I mean, there's some questions. It's it's the probably the biggest one I'll say is I'll say, okay, how am I doing on this? You know, and I'll be honest, I'll have fun with it, but be honest. So you want to be humble, not in a meek way, but in an assertive way. And then I'll ask, from what I've read, how can I take this to the next level? Interesting. What are the concrete things I need to do to take this to the next level? And then you just let your heart start coming out with whatever it says. Nice. That's really, I really like that. And then asking, I, I remember one uh, question I like to ask is, is what I'm doing moving me toward a better version of myself? Yes, yeah, so there's, your, there's your analytical, what am I doing now? Yeah. And then the next question is, is what, from what, I'm, what I've learned today or now, what can I do to take this to a whole other level? Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more curious about the, the key words thing. I don't think I fully got that, but you're saying like you would just either read and the dragon dictate and it would just kind of, <clears throat> things would just, and then, and then you would go, you would go through and read it again and then kind of just make bullet points of key no, words. What I would do is like, it's like a template. So you put the date at the top and then underneath I'd put keywords colon and I leave that blank. And then I just, I just start journaling and then I don't always even read it. I say, Hey, if I had to pick three, four words about what's most meaningful about what I just talked about, what would they be? Productivity. Ah, uh, so then you go through and put just the keywords yourself based on what yeah. you have a feeling. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought that the, Dragon dictate like did that for you or something. No, no, no. You Perfect. you put them in. And so that way, if you ever go back and say, I really need something on confidence. That's and cool. you do a search for the word confidence, right? You can if there's a keyword that has confidence in one, you know that's an important one for confidence for you. How do you store all of this all? You have like a huge uh it's not much. I mean, you can put um you know, on your hard, you just store it on your hard drive. I mean, you, you just think of like, like with Microsoft for the word, you just say 2019. Okay. And you can, I, I do, here's how I do mine. Just real concrete journal 2019. Okay. Then underneath that, I open it up and I've got journal 2019. And then I have January, just put January, you open it up and all my journal entries for January, I put in there. And so like, if it's, like say January 3rd, I'll put uh, journal 010419. That's how I on a word document. Mark it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then you got it. I love it. I love uh, I love handwriting it, but especially with that dragon dictate, that might be uh, something to look into. I yeah, and I, mean, I I came across. Uh, have you heard of OneNote? Yeah. Yeah. OneNote for OneNote's great for right brain journal. Yeah. OneNote's awesome. Yeah, it is. And I use it like when I was coming up with uh, questions and different things, you know, preparing for different things. It's awesome. I can, I can also, it's like a Chrome extension. And so like, I can just screenshot like a cool picture or a quote yes. and throw it in there like that. Yeah. Like now, you. if you're a parent and you're, you think about a parent, if you're doing that, what do you think your kids are going to be looking at you doing? Hmm. Don't follow your example. I mean, you'll, you'll set the trend. Awesome. Well, I know you have, you're very busy and have much more appointments to go to. Uh, I, I, this stuff is just exciting. I, I hope we can find another time to connect. And, you know, the, the brain scans are a little pricey, but if you, if you look at it like I'm trying to look at it, like, and set it as a six month to a 12 month goal and then break that down to, or uh, yeah, and then break that down to weekly and then yearly, like how much or daily how much to save you know it's definitely um affordable and easy to attain so that's awesome my my final question is what is the gift you'd wish you'd like to share with the world oh my gosh the, i think the biggest one is be inspired that's really you know is and inspired means this it means you become something you never thought you could become. You become something you never dreamed possible. It's it's almost like um, it's a like going to Disneyland or or um, I grew up playing ice hockey in, in Minnesota and um, 
just a really, really short story is I couldn't play my junior year, I hurt my back and the doctors wanted to do surgery. And I said, we're not doing surgery. And they said, well, you'll never play sports again. And I said, well, thank you very much, but I will be playing ice hockey next year. And I worked my butt off and um, long, long story short, my coaches were like, I was an okay player, but I said, like, great. This year, made varsity, was all conference, got scholarship to play college. Then, if that wasn't enough, six of the kids I grew up playing with ended up playing on the U.S. 1980 Olympics that won the gold medal, which, by the way, ESPN ranked that gold medal one against the Russians the number one sporting event of the century. I mean, these are kids, you know, from like peewees, seventh grade, I played against at some point. So we want to give all people that opportunity to do something great like that. That's what gets me up in the morning, gets me excited. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to connecting and building a relationship with you. And I hope this hits a lot of people and gets them to, you know, be curious about what they're doing and how it's affecting their brain. So thank you very much and uh, have a wonderful day. Solomon, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Take care. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.